Welcome to the Azure Security Podcast, where we discuss topics relating to security, privacy, reliability, and compliance on the Microsoft Cloud Platform. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 54. Uh, this week, it's myself, Michael. I'm actually here by myself with our guest. Um, we're trying a little bit of an experiment here. So for those of you who don't know, a few a few weeks ago, I actually moved into a new team. I moved out of Microsoft Services, I was working mainly with our customers on securing their Azure workloads, and I moved into the Azure database security team. Fantastic move for me. Um, I've always had a love for engineering at the back end, and uh, this is just a, an, an opportunity I just could not turn up. By the way, there's no coincidence there. Uh, when Thomas Weiss was on, uh, he and I had a few discussions uh, in the green room, so to speak, before we were recording, and one thing led to another, and next thing you know, I'm working with Thomas. So anyway, this is a little bit of an experiment, as I mentioned. I think we're sort of toying with the idea of having like sort of mini episodes where we focus on like just one little feature, or well, not necessarily a little feature, but one specific feature of a specific product. And this week, we're going to look at SQL Managed Instance and authentication. Uh, so with that, let me introduce my guest. Uh, this week, we have Sravani Saluru, uh, again, who's here to talk to us about SQL MI and authentication. Uh, Sravani, thank you for joining us this week. Uh, would you mind taking a moment and just sort of uh, give our listeners a little bit of a background? Sure. Thanks, Michael. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Sravani. Uh, I have been working with Microsoft for the past 10 years and uh, initially worked as a support engineer supporting SQL Server on-prem customers as well as the cloud customers and recently moved to the database platform security team, which is part of the SQL Server product group. And I'm currently working as a program manager and owning few features in security portfolio. One of the features that I own is SQL auditing for Azure Database, MI, and SQL Server. And also today, there is one more feature which we are going to talk about that is currently in public preview, and I'm the well, I'm the owner of that feature. So that's Windows Authentication for uh, SQL MI. Also, uh, I have like quite experience in SQL Server in terms of performance, high availability, and security. Uh, did some work in high availability area as well. So let's just get stuck right into it. So SQL Managed Instance, uh, there's a whole bunch of different sort of members of the SQL family. Can you explain briefly where SQL MI fits and what it's sort of kind of what its role is uh, compared to all the other versions of SQL? So I think uh, SQL itself is very well known in the database world, and it's spread across, right? You can, I mean, you name you name a platform, and SQL exists there. So the most important of us are SQL Server, which works on both Windows and Linux, and this is our the native uh, SQL Server, the on-premise version, which exists for several years now. And today, SQL twenty twenty two is is going to be released soon, right? So uh, that is our on-premise story. And we have a lot of enterprise customers who are using SQL 2022 as their uh, the top database uh, servers today. Now coming to the cloud, we uh, as as we all are aware, in cloud, we offer infrastructure as a service and platform as a service, right? So SQL exists in both places. So in infrastructure as a service, you can have your SQL servers, the native SQL servers running on IIS, basically either the Windows VMs or even the Linux VMs. So that is the infrastructure as, as a service. And coming to the past, as most of you are aware, we use SQL, the Azure database, which is the, the platform as a service offering for SQL database. 
and we which comes in uh, sql database as well as the elastic pools where you can have a group of databases as part of your sql azure database so that is one of the offering in pass the other one which is basically the one which we are going to talk today is the sql managed instance uh, as the name itself indicates it's basically a sql server which is managed in the cloud right so uh, most of our customers wanted something which is very very close to their on prem servers right because when it comes to the cloud azure database that is there are certain features which are uh, server scoped features like for example clr or like service broker or machine learning the sql agent per se like many of our customers runs a lot of jobs and for azure database we do not have a sql agent today right so they still want to manage their SQL server in cloud, but at the same time, they want to be as close as their on-prem servers. So that is where your SQL managed instance comes into the picture. So it is it is very close, uh, compatible with your SQL server. It gets you all server level scoped features that you want. At the same time, the maintenance is completely done by the uh, done by Microsoft, where the high availability, point in time restore, everything is offered just the way it is needed, and absolutely zero work from the customer's side. And the best part of the SQL managed instance is you just have an online migration. You do not have to do anything. We use log shipping in the backend, and you can just do a switch over whenever you are ready to migrate to a cloud. So that is how, that is the main beauty of the managed instance you know it's funny every once in a while someone says something where the penny just drops where you realize why something is the way it is and you said that there are some features that are server scoped and that made so much sense to me as soon as you said that because i was always wondering like why does something not exist in azure sql db and the reason is because some of those features are server scoped that's correct. Right. So, for example, the CLR, as you mentioned, right, the common language runtime support where you can write, you know, back end code in, say, C sharp. Yeah, that made absolute sense uh, when you said that. <laughs> actually, the other funny thing is the, la- the, the first version of SQL Server I actually used back in the day, and I'm really showing my age here, is uh, SQL Server 4.2 running on Landman. Ah. <laughs> That's even yeah, before 2007.0, right? Yeah. I hey, so here's a question for you then. Here's a question for you. Do you remember or do you know what the sample database was back then? Uh, no, don't ask me. It was so. the author's, remember, it was the author's database. I know. I heard those stories. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I heard those stories, but... Okay, now you're making me feel really, really old. Like My grandpa told me this story about the author's database. No, I'm only kidding. No, that's fantastic. That's actually really good. I mean, and I think you really put things in perspective there. So I think one of the, one of the really nice things about SQL MI, or perhaps two of the really nice things about SQL MI, are one, it has a really high degree of isolation, right? I mean, when you have a managed instance, that's your your box. I mean, that is your instance. That is not shared with any other compute. Is that is that correct? Uh, yes, that's correct. Yeah. So for some customers who you know absolutely categorically and emphatically require a massive degree of isolation, then this is certainly an option. And then the other one is, you know, with it being a database product that's very very close to on-prem without being on-prem. In other words, we do the management, right? Because it's all shared responsibility, right? Yes. And so what we've got here is a SQL Server instance that is you know, managed by us, like we do, we take care of patching and you know, all the sort of good stuff. 
but you know you obviously control you the customer controls you know the databases and you know user accounts and so on but because it's so close to SQL server it's the one of the easiest to use for lift and shift scenarios is that correct yes that's good okay all right, so we're mainly here to talk about authentication options. So before we talk about SQL MI specifically with the new Windows authentication stuff that's in preview, um, why don't we just take a quick whirlwind tour about the around the basic authentication options that we have in the SQL products? Sure. Uh, so the native SQL server supports uh, Windows authentication and the mixed authentication, right? So the Windows authentication is basically for the domain users and the mixed authentication is you can have either domain users or a SQL server logins, which you can create inside SQL server and use them to authenticate uh, the users. So that is how the SQL server has been supporting for several years. And then with SQL 2022, we also started supporting Azure uh, Active Directory users as well. So that is with the SQL server story. And when it comes to Azure SQL database, we offer uh, uh, three uh, the Azure Active Directory authentication, where you can have authentication using password or using MFA, uh, the multi-factor authentication, or you can also use Azure Active Directory integrated authentication. So one of the challenges that we have seen when customers wants to migrate to Azure SQL database is they might have a legacy applications, which may not be able to use this federation providers that they need for this Azure Active Directory integrated authentication to work. So that could be one of the blocker for, for many applications to migrate if you have a legacy drivers, which may not support this Azure Active Directory authentication. So that is when uh, we have this Windows authentication for Azure AD users uh, for SQL managed instance. This feature uh, is in public preview currently and in few months it will be GA. So uh, with this, uh, we are going to unblock all the migrations which are blocked because they could not migrate because of the legacy drivers or the legacy applications or the way the way the applications are designed they cannot use uh, they they can only use windows authentication and that support is not available today right so uh, that is where this windows authentication for sql mi comes into the picture and this this is going to unblock many of our customers this this is important right i mean if we say that you know, we've got these lift and shift scenarios. Uh, authentication is obviously critical. And you don't want things to start breaking because, you know, you move this thing into the cloud and all of a sudden your authentication just breaks. Yeah. So this is obviously a, a critically important feature that is coming in SQL MI. So could you explain just sort of briefly kind of how it works and what are the what are the machinery is required to make it make it work successfully? Absolutely. So uh, I will give like, I will just talk about this feature, like how it designed and how it's going to work. Um, so first of all, by enabling this Windows authentication for Azure uh, Active Directory principles, customers can migrate to Azure managed instance without implementing any changes in their application, right? So they just have to do this initial setup for the authentication flow to work. And once that is done from the application side, they, they don't have to make any changes. So how it works basically is we use this Kerberos authentication workflow in the backend. The main prerequisite here is customers have to ensure that their Windows 
principles the uh, the active directory principles are synchronized with the azure active directory which is uh, in today's world uh, we have seen customers are already doing that because they are along with uh, modernizing their applications they are also modernizing their identity and i most of our customers already have like a hybrid active directory domains running in their environments so this is a prerequisite where they have to ensure the uh, the principles are synchronized between their active directory as well as the azure active directory once that is done we have to establish this kerberos authentication flow with the azure active directory for this to work we support all versions of windows but like there are two ways to establish uh, this kerberos authentication so if you are using uh, depending on your client machine for example you are using windows 2012 or other versions where you do not have a latest uh, os version where uh, you can use this modern interactive workflow for those servers we can just go ahead and use a incoming trust based authentication right i think this is something that uh, at least the sql server customers heard for several years right when you have to connect across domains you have to establish this incoming trust and basically you are going to use kerberos authentication protocol in the back end to make this connection since both the domains are trusted so this is not something that is new but just that it's now implemented for the azure active directory so the customer's domain and the azure ad are now in trust with each other so you can make this kerberos authentication to work and through which the windows authentication happens so this is for uh, for the clients which are using windows 2012 so all they have to do is establish this incoming trust between azure active directory and their domain services so with the incoming trust based uh, workflow uh the prerequisite is just uh, you should your client must be running on a windows server 2012 or higher version and second thing is it has to be a domain joined machine it should have access to the active directory because when the kerberos token uh, has to be issued it has to uh, connect to the local directory to check for the spns uh, the service principal name and then get the kerberos token and send it to the azure active directory so to only two conditions the client must be running on windows 2012 or above the second one is it should have a access to their local active directory domain once this two is done all you have to do is establish this incoming trust using the the kerberos uh, uh, kdc server that is the kerberos distribution center right so for that we already provide a powershell commandlet uh so customers just have to install the partial commandlet and once the module is installed just to use their domain name pass the credentials and then create the trust object for the azure active directory domains in their act local active directory so that is the first workflow which is which works uh, you through incoming trust based and there is another workflow for which your your machine need not to even join a domain in this scenario if it is a azure uh, ad joined machine so if you have a vm which is a azure ad joined machine then you do not have to even establish any incoming trust it works through modern interactive flow for this modern interactive flow to work uh, your windows uh, version must be either C, uh, 2022 server 
or it's Windows 10, 20, H1 and above. So if you have a client which is running on this Windows version and if it's Azure joined, uh, the Azure AD joined or a hybrid joined machine, you do not have to do anything. It's already knows about the modern interactive workflow since it's already joined to Azure AD. All you have to do is enable this Kerberos uh, uh, token during the login. So there is a group policy that you have to configure on the client machine uh, in your local policies. So you just have to go to the sec poll and update this local policy which tells you that use Kerberos token during the login process. So you just enable this setting and you just have to connect to the managed instance using the Windows authentication. Uh, so in this scenario, uh, since this is a modern interactive workflow, uh, it works only for the applications which has the interactive uh, uh, connection method. Uh, so if I need to give examples like maybe a SQL Server Management Studio or a SQL Server Profiler or an extended event where you can explicitly specify and interact while connecting to the service. And it can it will also work with uh, applications like uh, which uses impersonation. However, this may not work uh, for certain applications uh, which will run as a service because since it's configured as a service, there is no interactive uh, method of logging during the login. So if you have applications which are running as service, in that scenario, you still have to establish incoming trust and then use the incoming trust based authentication model. So with these two in place, either modern interactive flow or with the incoming trust, we pretty much cover all kind of clients that are running either joined Active Directory, a domain joint server or an Azure AD joined machine or just a hybrid machine or uh, any of these clients, right? And you can connect to the managed instance. So the second aspect is uh, to allow managed instance to understand the Windows authentication, uh, we have to enable this SPNs, which is quite familiar to all SQL Server customers because the service principal names are pretty known, right? If the SPN is not correct, you know, you have seen scenarios where the authentication just fails. So for managed instance to understand uh, this Windows authentication, we have to enable this service principle, which is available in Azure portal itself. So you do not have to do anything. Let's say you, you want to configure Windows authentication for your managed instance. All you have to do is go to your Azure portal, go to the managed instance, and in managed instance in the principles, you can just enable uh, the service principle for the managed instance. Once the service principle is enabled, uh, you also have to uh, provide an admin consent uh, for managed instance so that it can allow applications to communicate with the managed instance. So to provide the admin consent, you just have to uh, go to the Active Direct, uh, the Azure Active Directory in portal and then search for your managed instance and provide admin consent. Again, this can be also done in the portal itself. Uh, it just takes a couple of minutes to do both the steps that I described and they are uh, documented in our public documentation with these screenshots. So it's easy for you to access. Again, just to summarize, there are two aspects. One, the configuration that needs to be done at the SQL MI where you need to enable the service principle by setting the service principles to on and provide the admin consent for SQL, SQL MI in your Azure Active Directory. So these are the two steps from the MI side. Once that is done, on the client side, for the Kerberos to work, 
based on the client version if it is windows 2012 or above you will do a incoming uh, trust for the incoming trust to work all you need to do is this create the kerberos tokens we have a partial module which you can use provide the domain credentials to connect your domain and provide your azure active directory domain and it just creates the required kerberos for you and the other way is just to use the modern interactive flow if you have machines which are running on windows 10 20 h1 or windows server 22 2022 and above you just have to set the local policy to enable kerberos token during the login once that is done if the machines are joined to azure ad or if they are hybrid joined it just it just uh, establishes the connection so you once you do both the settings you can test the connection either using an ssms or uh, any client tool that connects to the sql server so I have one point, one question, and a comment. So the first one is when we're talking Windows authentication, we're just talking Kerberos here, right? Yes. Okay, because just for those who are not aware, uh, technically there's no real such thing as Windows authentication. It's kind of two things. It's either Kerberos or the classic sort of local accounts, the SAM account, which is like domain slash name. So we're talking Kerberos. Now, one of the most important things that people should be aware of is with Kerberos is... Kerberos provides mutual authentication, right? So it's authenticating both ends of the communication. And the key thing there is a thing called the service principal name. And the service principal name is things like you know, the machine name, um, like the IP address or the DNS name, um, the identity under which it is executing, and also the, the, the protocol and port number. And that's really important so that that way Kerberos can um, actually authenticate the endpoint. So I just want to make sure everyone's aware when we're throwing the service principal name thing out there, what we're talking about. It's just this unique identifier that identifies the endpoint. And you said something really interesting there, which is that the service principal name must be registered in Azure Active Directory. And the moment you said that, again, that's when the penny drops, right? That's the key part. If you don't have the SPN registered in AAD, there's yeah. no way AAD is going to know or Kerberos is going to know what the endpoint is. It's not going to be able to that's authenticate getting. the endpoint. Yeah, so that's, yes. that's critically important. So, um, so another question is, so does this require things like, say, let's say Express Route? Is that required to make this work? For this feature to work, you do not need any Express Route. It just works from any through any connection. So. Right. That's good to know. I mean, a lot of things, you know, some of the some services that we have that provide this sort of functionality may require yeah. things like Express Wrap. But that's great to see that we don't we don't need that. So what are some of the the major business benefits of of all of this? I mean, one thing that I see is is just, you know, unblocking some migrations to Azure, right? Um, that's one thing I see as a major issue. Is that or a major benefit? Is that a fair comment? And what other scenarios do you see as being uh, as being valid here? Yeah, so that is the major. Uh, I mean, the the that would that is the top scenario that we are targeting today to unblock our customers to migrate to Azure, all the legacy applications which are which could be running on IIS uh, with app pools, right? The with identity and run as a service. So we want to unblock those customers uh, who don't have access to Azure Federation services, or they might be using some legacy drivers, things like that. So uh, this uh, this feature we are we are. Uh, uh, targeting to uh, migrate as many as customers as possible to MI. And the second part is uh, ultimately the, uh, like like I said, since we have uh, uh, SQL MI pretty much close to your on-prem servers, you can use all the client tools that you are 
you used to use in SQL Server, like SQL Profiler, Extended Events, all those client tools are going to just work fine with this Windows authentication. So that is that is another benefit that we are seeing today. Now, this is really cool stuff. I think, again, for those um, you know who want to move workloads quickly, to Azure with minimal minimal downtime, minimal effort, minimal re-engineering. Um, SQL MI can be a you know, certainly a valid option. I think for you know for Greenfield, I think a lot of people will look at say Azure SQL DB, but for migration, this makes absolute sense. Uh, by the way, something should, something people should be aware of if they're not already aware of this: when you spin up um, a version of SQL MI, um, it can take. It can take hours, just so you know. I mean, we're literally allocating your own hardware for you. Uh, so don't be surprised if the uh, you can't just like spin one up in 30 seconds and then come back. It's, it's, it's not going to be there, right? We're, we're sort of allocating um, you know, system resources at the back end. So it's a little bit different than, and again, and the, re- and the reason for that is it's literally your own isolated environment. So, and that's what we're spinning up at the back end. All right, I think that's uh, anything else you want to mention? If not, do you have a, a final thought you'd like to leave our listeners with? Uh, about the final thoughts, I mean, uh, I have been into, I mean, working, I mean, I worked as a SQL administrator for several years in my experience. Uh, of course, I'm not competing with Michael for sure. I just realized <laughs> how how old Michael is. I mean, he was working from SQL 4.0, so he surely knows better than me. But I, I myself worked as an administrator and uh, I know like at least 70% of the work goes into this administration part, right? But to Today, with SQL uh, in pass, where we have this platform as a service, you have everything that you need. You have Azure database, you have Elastic Pools, you have Hyperscale, and you have this managed instance. So, if you are still not migrated to Azure, I will just leave it to the leave it to you to think what is that one point that is blocking you not to migrate to cloud? Because today, the cloud services in Azure provides you the topmost security, provides you the topmost availability point in time recovery, whatnot, everything that you need for a database server. So if I, if someone comes to me and tells me that, you know what, from tomorrow you don't have to worry about your administrative stuff, just go and work on your applications, that's going to be like the great thing to me, right? So just think about it. And if you have any blockers, you think that this is the blocker today for us to not to move to the past, either to database, Azure database or to managed instance, just let us know your thoughts, right? Just to put things in perspective, you know, you've got SQL Server on-prem, you've got SQL Server in a VM, but you've got to manage absolutely everything. Then you've got SQL MI where... The back end, like the anti-malware, the you know the updates and so on, that's all that's all handled by us. And then you've got a SQL um, Azure SQL DB, which is the you know the the, the straight up PaaS solution um, where we you know we manage even more of the back end. But yeah, you're right. You really want people to move to um, platform as a service um, as much as possible because more of it is handled by by Microsoft, right? It's handled by the Azure infrastructure and by the people at the back end, which is which is always beneficial. Okay, well, with that, let's um, let's bring this episode to an end. Um, give us your give us your feedback as well. If you like this idea of just sort of running sh- relatively short sessions with no news, just focusing on on a specific product or a specific part of a product from a security perspective, uh, and let us know what topics you'd like to you'd like to learn about. So, with that, let's bring this episode to an end. Um, so, Ryan, again, thank you so much for joining us this week, uh, and to our listeners out there, thank you for listening. Take care, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Azure Security Podcast. You can find show notes and other resources at our website, azsecuritypodcast.net. If you have any questions, 
Please find us on Twitter at Azure SetPod. Background music is from ccmixter.com and licensed under the Creative Commons license.